You're listening to Interview Time. A couple of years ago, I started following an Instagram account called Regressionary Movements. I was drawn in by these beautifully composed, often funny photos of fading suburban neighborhoods, broken infrastructure, abandoned strip malls, and empty industrial zones. The photos gave me this eerie feeling that I was somehow gazing into the future at the ruins of our own civilization. Regressionary Movements is the work of award-winning Long Beach-based photographer Michael Wells. And Wells, who trained as an architect, is interested in the different and sometimes strangely original ways people utilize, repurpose, and adapt the spaces and landscapes around them. In this episode, Wells and I discuss his creative evolution as a photographer, the meaning of regressionary movements, and his important work examining the weaponization of the Sonoran Desert along the Arizona-Mexico border. Michael Wells, welcome to interview time. Thanks. Do you kind of remember when you first became interested in photography? Uh, Yeah, well, I started taking pictures um, when I was, I mean, I probably always took pictures, but you know, when I was young, it was, it was film, so it was kind of expensive. And so like, I didn't, I couldn't just take pictures all the time. But um, see, I mean, I kind of started taking my own pictures. When I was a kid in high school, I guess we started taking skateboard pictures. So I'd skate with my friends and then we would shoot each other. And I was, you know, into that. So, and we made, um, one of the projects we did was, uh, we made like a little zine. And so we had to take the pictures and then I started taking a little bit more stuff than just the skating of us, like, you know, on the local spots, um, started shooting the city a little bit more. Oh, wow. So I got into that then, I guess. And, um. And yeah, so then I kind of just got hooked, I guess, a little bit. I was, still wasn't taking like tons of pictures, but I just got into the process and like things you could do. And I would, I had seen things. Remember with, with the first camera, like long exposures where you'd see like trails of car lights or something, you know, like something like that, like trying right. to figure out how that, how you even do that, you know, so that was kind of like a fun thing to figure out how to do. Can you tell me a little bit more about this zine that you were making? What was. Oh, it was just a, it was just a, like a, like a dumb like skate we wanted to make our own skateboard magazine it was awesome but uh it was a magazine of us like you know skating it was like little interviews of our friends it was for a graphic design class so um cool. it was called dipped it was it was pretty good but awesome. the belmont hustlers was our little crew so you were the photographer well i was the photographer on the zine for sure and yeah. so it was like in that class we were like four kids four friends in that class and it was a graphic design class yeah and so we had to do we would take i took the pictures we laid out the interviews with the Ruby Lith or whatever and kind of laid it all out. And then it was printed on a press. Right. So, yeah, that was a... So you, you kind of had a, a sense, like, I'm the photographer well, at that time. Or were I your think, buddies just like, hey, he has the nicest camera. It might have just been I had the camera. It was, <laughs> yeah. might have just been that I had the camera. And I was, like, willing, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, then, yeah, like, back then you would take pictures of your friend skating. And, like, no one else, like, has, like, most people just had a... Um, camera like a point and shoot you know right and so like i had a camera that had like i had like a wide lens so like all right well that works it yeah. wasn't like a cool like fisheye or anything like that you would really sure. it was just like wider than the point and shoot right and it worked a little bit better probably looked a little nicer just yeah it looked right i mean away. it wasn't necessarily nicer but it just kind of like did the job and so and i was right. kind of geeking out on how to figure it out how did you develop an interest in architecture what did um well i i had um i had been um 
I was kind of studying art history at the time. I wasn't really sure. I always liked really, I really liked art history and I kind of liked archaeology. And, but I knew that, um, I was getting the, the inkling that it was quite a bit of schooling that I would be in right. for the rest of my life. And then, you know, the job is basically to stay in school, right? you know, and be a professor. And I wasn't quite sure that I was up for that. And, um, I went to this, uh, I was really lucky and I got to go to, um, Florence, uh, for like a semester. Uh, and I went there and I was, I went to Milan and there was people making, um, furniture was just taken like people were really into furniture and there was like magazines. I saw like Avatari and Domus and all these magazines for the right. first time that I didn't even know existed. There was like this whole contemporary, I had like seen it in like, like you know, you'd see in like a movie, like some cool apartment, but I didn't even know that that was like, Oh, I didn't put it together that that was actually a thing that someone made that. And there was a whole right. world around it. Cause I like, like I, there was like Levitt's like, I don't even know where you got furniture like that. I didn't even, and then I was just so into it. I came back and I was like, I want to like make furniture like that and find out about that. Right. And I found out about this um, program, which was an environmental arts program at the time. And um, it was a design program that, and they made a lot of stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I want to do more of this. And through that, it kind of became more, I realized that like furniture and design and architecture are all kind of connected, which right. I didn't quite know at the time. And it was, it was up my alley. So I was into that. But in the middle of the um, the middle of my schooling, the there was a change in the head of the department, and things were changing, right. and they were just moving it around a little bit, which was totally fine. But I just didn't really jive with the way it was going, and I really liked taking doing photography, so I just took as many studio photography classes or any kind of photography classes I could take, and I but I finished in that department in the design department, and when I got out of school, I got um, I got work. And I kind of was like, well, I could work as an assistant in photography, but I didn't really know about that. And I ended up getting uh, work in an architecture office. So I did that. Um, and at the time, I was really interested in um, urban design and kind of the city. So it wasn't right. like, even though we would do a little bit of, or I would work on a little bit of building houses, it was more about um, larger projects like campuses or you know, uh, yeah. laying out of zoning or codes for a whole bigger area kind of writing these um rules that people would then um use to design um, right so is it like sort of like policy structure that then you can build yeah you kind of build these like yeah. kind of uh you would write a list basically zoning and code you write or come up with a list of uh rules that like an envelope that then people will design around and if you want the city to be a certain way like you can make subtle changes. Like if you said all of a sudden that parking's not required, then the whole of a sudden, you know, or like parking's <laughs> only required in these places with these types of units or a setback needs to be five feet instead of 20 feet or whatever it might be. It drastically changes the whole face of the city. And so I was just fascinated by these like ways right. that you can, can modify and change the city. The and, rules of how we build, like that's going to affect obviously how we then design. Yeah, because everything's built, like people want to build, like they want to, what's cost effective for the developer or whatever. Right. And then the architects are trying to build something that like works and, you know, for them and for the client and all these things. And so how they end up looking, it's not that it's uh, irrelevant, but it's like you can kind of wrap them with all sorts of, whether it's a Spanish revival or a con contemporary building. Um, the the zoning of the envelope 
kind of stays the same. So if I was just at the time, and I'm still really interested in that kind of idea yeah. and how it um, can change different parts of the city. Los Angeles is kind of a, a pretty interesting place to be looking at urban planning because so. yeah there's a lot there's a big i have you ever read like city of course sure yeah, that yeah. kind yeah, of Mike stuff Davis, and, yeah. yeah and and, and maybe I was, it didn't always have the best decisions being yeah. made here i was really interested that, that was one of the things that so growing growing up in long beach one of the things i've always really been interested in is um the um kind of the infrastructure of the city that that kind of divides and makes up all these spaces you have like right. uh, everything from like alameda corridor kind of moving through the train lines that come directly from the port which is you know i grew up around right. and moving in to like the train yards which in central LA, la and they move out to these intermodal warehouses and then they ship out from there across the rest of the i mean everything's coming in from china it's coming in through the la long beach port right huge you know number of and then gives to the rest of the country and then there's also, you know, the layers of the, the freeways that have divided communities that were pre-existing. And so and the streets and park, all these sorts of layers of infrastructure right. and how they divide up and make these spaces that we kind of live in and how they change over time. And so when I was working there, I would just take pictures for fun. Like whenever I could, I would go out and try to take pictures of these like uh, conditions, I guess I would say, you know, like this is this is like a you know, a giant uh, Coke processing facility, or this is this, um, the Alameda corridor, or these are these warehouses. And I don't know, I didn't really, I just have been doing it forever. Like ever since I started to get really into it, that was the first thing I started to photograph for, for person. I mean, just for fun, you know, these, right. these like instances of, of the, of that kind of infrastructure, I guess. Right. I was really into that. What kind of things, like, in the beginning, sort of, what were you responsible for doing? Were you what did like, I do there? Yeah. Uh, well, I mostly did, um, I'd go to a lot of meetings with the boss, um, John Kowiski, and I would, uh, I did a lot of the graphics. I so see. I did a lot of, like, presentation graphics. We went to a lot of meetings, and you have to, for that, like, I would do everything from, you know, I would, we would, you go out in the city and you look at, like, okay, we're going to put a new, it could be we're gonna. There's nothing here, and we're gonna. They're gonna. They want to put a new like um, housing thing mixed with um, a grocery store, and right. there's gonna be a park and mixed use, or... mixed use kind of thing. And then so like, where should everything go? But then some of the projects were bigger. One of the big ones that like was important for me, and the way I kind of saw the city later would be like um, I had to drive every. It was like the North or the East Valley plan. There was this group called the community redevelopment agency which i don't think is a thing anymore the cra but there was all these vacant lots in the valley in this one particular part of the valley they didn't really know where they all were and they didn't have like google maps at the time so i would just i had to drive every single street of the valley and take and find a vacant lot and then i would take a picture of it and then write down the address of it and then later i would go to like you know I, they did have a google maps actually and i have to figure out where it was and i would and I would make a giant three ring, one of those big three ring binders. Wow. And I would make a sheet. And then like this huge PDF that had every single vacant lot in the, in the East Valley so that the city would know where they all are. So that they could then like try and like put houses on them or like get them developed in some way. Right. Because I didn't really. So like that was like a project. You, so we, sorry, I may admit, but you guys were contracting with the city? Yeah. I see. And so you were mapping out. Yeah. You were Google mapping before Google. Yeah. So I'd go were around. Using the Thomas Guide? Yeah, probably. Well, I would, I mean, it wasn't that hard because I would just drive every street. So, like, oh, I've been right. on that street. So, like, I would go down and then just make a giant, like, Excel or whatever. It was like a PDF thing of, 
every single building. So I did that, and then we did one in like, um, like uh, zoning for the Bel Air. We uh-huh. would do things, but then we'd do like um, the Orange Line, which is the bus line that goes in uh, through the valley. We'd help design um, part of the. The terminus there, like the parking, I don't know, laid out parking lots. Like it was just like kind of stuff like that. So it wasn't exactly like luxury houses or anything. It was kind of a different type of stuff. Um, But so I would do a lot of the graphics. Then we would go to these meetings and you'd have to like do this research and then present it to people. And so I would lay out and do a lot of like graphics for that and research and data acquisition, I guess you'd call it. You know? Yeah. So gathering data. Just gather it. So I would have to go out and photograph the city a lot and put all these boards together and like look at the stuff and then you know the boss would then like write reports on the whole thing. So did you enjoy that? Uh yeah, I I I really liked it. I thought that the part that was I got a little uh disenchanted with was that it was um we would make a lot of recommendations that um, we thought we're good for the city, but it turns out that a lot of the decisions in, um, in, on that scale are, which I was naive at the time. I didn't quite realize. I thought like we could just come up with these recommendations and then they would listen to us and they would do this. But, <laughs> and, you know, but it turns out that, um, those decisions are made much more by, uh, developers and politicians. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, they, they kind of decide, they take um, suggestions for sure, right? But the way that the city is laid out and things that happen often are more, at that time anyway, were made more by what the market would bear, what's sure. like, what makes sense for them. You know, they had they were they were making decisions on a different level at at a different, you know, looking at different things than we were. Not just like what should happen, but like different what, things that I wasn't what maybe is possible what's possible yeah. what looks good for them what looks good for this particular um, cycle of being in office like all right. sorts of other things just about what they're willing to do I was not it wasn't as interest I was wasn't as interested right. in that part and I also saw that like um, it's just a long I don't know there was just certain things I you would do a lot of work maybe and then like, it was totally fine but you know what at yeah. the time I was just really getting more into the photography which I always liked right and I was starting to kind of moonlight doing that a little bit right and people were like wanting to hire me to do that wow and so I was like man like like I would have totally gone into continuing that work but I thought that like being a photographer was like kind of a kind of like a rock star, like kind of opportunity, like give it a shot. If if it doesn't work out, like whatever, like you have to go back to this other job that was fine. Right. So like I would try to, I eventually. How did that, how did that start happening? How did people like start saying? Well, I I was already, I met some, I met a woman that um, was like an interior designer and she needed some pictures. And at the time I was like enough into photography. I had like, I was geeked out enough that I had like proper cameras and everything. And I had had experience from school and I was just doing it. So if people needed like a, a portrait or like they had a line of clothing or something, they might ask me, like, hey, take some pictures. And I was like, yeah, totally. Let's do this. You know, so and then I had started to meet a couple of people that didn't know me really that needed it. And they were like willing to pay me like proper money. And I was like, OK, like I, I, as a professional <laughs> and I had to like kind of act professional, you know, and so right. I would like get into it. And then um, I just eventually like got semi-professional enough that I could like. 
um, I mean, acting professional. I don't know. If I sure. Liked it. But then like, they were like, oh, this looks great. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, and I would, you know, read as many books and practice and like, just do anything I could do to like, figure out how to do stuff. If I didn't know how to do it, I'd like figure it out. Right. And then, um, I just like did it until I like, and then I got, um, I had enough clients. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to leave my office job. And so I got married actually. And then I left on my, I mean, I told my boss, but like I left on the honeymoon and then came back and I never came back to that job. So, right. I, so I've been freelance, uh, since then. And when was that? That was in 2005. Wow. So I've been freelance, um, professional photographer since then, I guess. So, wow. Well, yeah, that's good. Um, I mean, there's, it was definitely a challenge, but, um, and I was like, it's funny cause I've been, um, a photographer a lot longer than I ever was like in architecture, right. but I still like it informs the way I kind of thought about things and still think about things. And like, I still work so much with designers and architects that like, and a lot of my friends. So it's kind of my world still in a lot of ways, even though I'm not, um, designing or working that way. What is a regressionary movement? <laughs> well, um, you know, I've always liked, um, I've always been fascinated with, well, I started to first kind of notice this in art history. There's always these movements that are, everyone's kind of going forward. And then there's this kind of countercultural movement that kind of goes backwards. So there's always like, you have like, um, everything will be like broke. And then all of a sudden you have like romanticism. These like are neoclassicism that goes backwards or you have like industrial revolution and then you get arts and crafts. Like, or you get, um, everything's like, you know, fifties modern. And then you have hippies, you know, everything kind of goes backwards and they're not always good or bad. They're just like, I just think it's interesting that sometimes like culture is moving forward in some way. And then, it's like, hey, like, let's slow down. Like, or some people are like, let's slow down a little bit. I prefer it a little bit more like this. And you see it like now. There's like, um, you know, make America great again. Like, it's like, right. hey, like, let's go. Let's regress back a little bit. And it's not always like a bad thing. Like, it could be like industrialized food. And now we have like organic farming maybe is a better way to go. Like, right. so there's always these like kind of ways to go back. Like, you go down this road and then you turn back and go back a little bit. And um, it's like, kind of, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, there's just kind of these corrections or, you know, that people are like pushing yeah. against it in some way. And and so, and there's always these, the little bit of the, the dead end, I guess, of the, of the original, right. you know, goes off in spurs in some way and then it gets changed and, you know, you get like modernism, but then it gets like these modern buildings and then they get kind of changed and then it gets turned into something else and, right. uh, and gets a new life or new use and. I don't know. I think that that's interesting. It's just a name that I, I'm always interested in. It doesn't necessarily directly apply to like pictures I take or anything, right. but it's something that interests me, I guess. That's so. sort of maybe a philosophical interest or something. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's the first impression I had when I saw these photos. It's, it's almost like you're... Sh- it's interesting you say archaeology too, because I feel like you're showing us sometimes, or when I'm looking at these photos, I'm thinking... This is like I'm looking at the ruins of the civilization that I live in now. Well, in a way. Yeah, I'm I, you know it's funny um well two things. One, um I've, I've always like there's those um stories that people would go like in western culture that 
there was like people going the grand tour, you know, like in England, wherever. Right. And then they would go to like see Roman ruins and they would go and they would take these, they would have a gaze and they would do these landscapes, you know, pictures of the, how the city used to be or the, how the, you know, whatever cultures used to be there. And they were, they were beautiful and they were covered and overgrown in some way. And I always like something about that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but it's funny cause I don't always like think of people say like, Oh man, these are pretty dark. And I'm like, man, well, a lot of times like, I think of them often as this is going to sound weird, but like opportunities, maybe like people are like doing exciting things with their um, spaces yeah, and creating like uh, whether it's with their landscape or what they're like building that are um, I think kind of like, uh, like these avant-garde additions and like architectural kind of like oddities where they're like building and adding right. to things that they're like creating these interesting conditions that I think could be like, could be possibilities for, for like new ways of doing things. Oh, wow. You know, like, and I always think of it kind of try to be like optimistic. I mean, certain things are certain, they look a little grimy sometimes. And I know that yeah. I do have different like projects and when they're on the like the Instagram, which is where you saw it, probably a yeah. lot of them are. There's all sorts of different things, kind of in one place. So they might be part of different projects. But there's that whole like innovations, the or necessity is the mother of innovation. You know, like yeah, people, necessity is the mother of invention. Invention, right? And so like people are just like need something, and then they do it and they add it in a weird way, and then you're like, wow, right. like that could be like a really exciting way of like contemporary architecture or something, or like doing something like right with using this material in a way that people are not always using or putting wow. a building in a certain place that maybe people aren't considering. Right. But maybe it could be, you know, like, because <laughs> right. people look like, oh, that looks like terrible. But like, what if it was done in a, maybe a better way, in a right. glossier way? Maybe it could be really, really great. It could be interesting. Or maybe not, you know, I don't know. Well, it makes me think of one photo and I think it might be like a motel somewhere or something. Yeah. And there's literally like a palm tree growing through the middle of the building. Oh, yeah, yeah. through the roof. That's uh. And it's wonderful. And I was thinking at first, I was like, you know, my, I'll be honest, like my first impression was like, that's kind of dumb. But then yeah. I was like, but no, wait, that's also kind of awesome. Because when you go inside that building, yeah. there's going to be an actual palm tree trunk in the middle of the space somewhere yeah unless they've like walled it off and you don't see it i don't all. know that's in king city and i've driven by it several times um in like central coast and i think it was probably some you know mid-century thing where they were like oh we'll have a palm tree in the like foyer here and it's just right. like but it's gotten really big yeah. and that's one of the things that i'm really interested in is um but yeah it could be an opportunity. like what if you had this whole building with giant trees growing through it like that'd be fucking awesome like <laughs> like it could be really yeah. really cool but um and then when you see that maybe it looks like maybe it's a something bad happened, but I think it could be like something great could happen. Right. But yeah, I'm always in uh, plants cause I shoot a lot of like plants that have gotten really big. And a lot of it is that I'm kind of interested in these, um, uh, mid century kind of planned communities right. that were, that were basically these modernist layouts that were really kind of, uh, constrictive and, and made, you know, to control the, um, the people that were living in them to, to live in a very specific way that the, that the designers thought was the ideal or this kind of utopia. But then right. over time, different people have moved in and changed them and made them their own, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. And then the, but the plants themselves, the plants don't really have any inclination of what people are trying to do. So they've just continued to grow. 
Right. And it's kind of this half-life, I think, of like you can like tell how old this neighborhood is by how, you know, huge that palm tree is or that you know giant cypress i see and so they're just like so huge now and people don't really know what to do with them it's kind it feels of a like, time signature yeah you know yeah. like oh look at how big they are in this neighborhood or how fat they are here like and um yeah no one really knows how to like what to do with in la- landscape design in these neighborhoods just, sure i mean some people you know wrestle them and do things with them which right. is kind of exciting too and that's but, kind of maybe a an issue with that kind of utopian planned community design is yeah you got to keep up with it. So if you don't keep trimming the trees and, and yeah, they're going to grow out again. They're just going to do their own thing. And, you know, but yeah, it's just all kind of like living. It's going like the community or making it their own. They're changing the buildings. They're adding right. stuff to their houses and, and the, the plants are doing their own thing. And yeah. um, it's, it's all kind of, mo- it's all evolving and moving on, yeah. which I think is pretty exciting. Was regressionary movements, this work that you're doing, was this intended to be shown only on Instagram or do you show this work in, in other places? Well, I started that account because I had like a, a personal account, which is just, I mean, it's not, it's just my like, I had shared some pictures like that, but you know, I also have like, um, you know, family pictures and I've got clients, I've got, it's just kind of like, you know, your normal family stuff. And then I wanted to start, um, actually wanted to start a professional account with my professional photography, which is, I tend to do a lot of like architecture and interiors and, you know, commercial photography type stuff. Right. And I wanted to start one that was just that. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to either have like my family stuff all on there. And I didn't want to have like, I didn't want to just like bore everyone on that account that I already have with my I'll just work, you know? So I didn't really know how to do it. I still don't really know how to do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start a professional account. But it, it seems kind of like a lot of pressure, I thought, to like make it look good because people have these like super, very beautiful accounts and stuff of all right. of their professional work. And I was like, you know what? I have all these pictures that I've always been taking, that I've taken forever. And I had seen, I had kind of like come across, I was like, oh, people like post just these like pictures. I didn't even know this was a thing. And then I was kind of learning about like hashtags and stuff. I was like, oh, and then people, I was like, I've got pictures like that. Like, maybe I'll just start with that. I'll make an account of just my, like, personal work. Kind of, like, low pressure to, like, see how it works. Yeah. To, like, maybe people would like it. That way, like, and if they don't, whatever. Like, I don't really, it's not like a, it wasn't like my professional work. Right. It's not like, I was like, so I'll just do this. And I started it just sharing pictures and then, like, kind of figuring, like, oh, if you do like this and you, you know, put this picture, people people look at it and you know because i was like it was just a template to like okay now i'm gonna do my professional one over here right but um so it was kind of almost like originally just supposed to be like a sketchbook that yeah help you kind of i mean it was fun to share the pictures but then you like kind of learn about it and there's like this whole community of people that also take similar pictures and you learn about them and i've learned all sorts of stuff i've met people and it's been really cool and you know honestly i've still never made the professional one (laughs) i'm still stressed about it because i'm like well i noticed that the professional the Mwell's photo page that you yeah. have associated actually has less followers than the page. Uh, oh, the that, well, there's movement. no, there's only one picture. I've never started it. Right. It's never so actually happened. It's never happened, but I'm going to do it soon. I has, yeah. Has regressionary movements though, has that um, brought work to you though? No, not really. No. I mean, okay. actually I had one in some, in some ways. I mean, even just like I had, there was a, there's a woman that I know um, that has um, an office and she said, Hey, I like your pictures. Like maybe you would like to do a little show. So I did a really small show in her office, a pretty smart studio she's an architect that I uh, know. And so I like showed some pictures in her 
in her little gallery space. Ah, okay. But it wasn't anything like it wasn't a huge nothing really is like. But but a lot of times now people just let know that you're up to like like friends are going oh like I see like saw your pictures those are cool or you know you should do more of this or I'd love to have a print or something but I never really um I've always wanted to kind of do that world but I never really got into the fine art world in that way I just just always took the pictures but I never like did anything with them what's your, kind of your process to just, just kind of yeah I get I'll get some um it's I, I really love driving um and I like going on road trips and um you know because it's just like you're not looking at your phone or you're not thinking about other things you're just like right. driving around so whenever i have free time in afternoon or like a few hours i'll just like drive around and look for things that are interesting and i'll go to like a certain place like i'm trying to like work on a, a certain thing so I'll like go there and like uh go to an area where i think i might find something that i might be looking for and sometimes you see some stuff and yeah i mean i work for like i work on like try to work on um certain types of like bodies i guess mm-hmm. and so like i'll work to just like okay like it's like a habit of mine like going back to the architecture thing but like to like try and get a certain thing like i need one more on that like right but i try not to do that because it's like it it's and it's it's freeing but it's also like against my like intuition to like like i need another i'm looking for a certain kind of thing and i don't right. want to i don't want to do it that way i'd rather just like getting types of things that may or may not be connected so tightly you right. know they could just be groups of um, groups of images that make sense in some way but it doesn't have to be like this is this group of pictures they all have this same thing exactly with them and it's you know i don't want to do that exactly there are strong themes that come through your work though like that i got right away and and um it's interesting to talk to you because you see these things kind of optimistically and and it's really interesting to talk to you about that you're seeing like spatial evolution or, or repurposing i love that how you see in a lot of your photos like the the bushes starting to overgrow over the fence it's almost like you're comparing these two things you see this the, the sort of biological structures these wonderful biological structures next to these kind of in some cases wonderful and interesting human structures as well and it's like no it's it's i think it's interesting also like like the scale you know of course like the scale that uh that we live at is made for us because we're humans right. and and sometimes you see these huge spaces that they have to be, um, like maybe it's a giant uh, train yard, and it's huge because they have to move so many containers, or whatever. But then there's like a trash can that's like seems so small in it, right. you know. Yeah. And it seems weird, but like it's just made for like you can't make it. Doesn't need to be a giant trash can because it's right. a giant space. It's still like has to be human sized to right. deal with human stuff and humans are gonna know. have to use it. Yeah, it's all our world. Access. We've created the whole thing. You know, if it was yeah. a you know, mouse world to be a mouse, you know, like, so it's just, it's something, sometimes it's kind of funny to see it like placed against, uh, the larger world. And right. I don't know. There's something in there. Um, how do you feel? Cause okay. So regressionary movements, you've, you've dabbled in social media. How do you feel like social media? Has it had any effect on the way you work or maybe the photography industry? Do you think about it at all? I do need to like for, on my professional level, like I feel like I should have more of a presence. It's a little frustrating because things go by so quickly on that level, yeah. And people, you know, kind of need imagery so much. Everyone does, and so you have to kind of produce these things. And but maybe maybe it's fine. They just um, kind of if they're excited about it, you know. So that part's a little a little difficult to like tackle. But on the the personal one. Um, the regressionary, I, 
I think it's fine. Like I've, I've, I think it's, I don't know if it's affected my work. I've definitely like seen how people look at different, um, I've learned a lot more about different parts of the country or the world and how mm. people have different perspectives there. And I've seen like weird, like trends that I guess come in and out. And so that's always interesting. Right. Um, and I've kind of like met people like virtually anyway. I've never like, I've, I've only right. like seen people like one time I've met someone like, and actually met them physically. But, um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world. You've found other communities out there through social media, people doing the same things. That well, you're you start doing. to see like, um, you get, I don't know, maybe it was just through like recommendations or whatever, or you start to see through like maybe through hashtags or something. And then, and then people that like find you, you're like, Oh, this guy's like, this woman has got like cool stuff. And then they're taking something like, Oh, they're like, whatever it is, like maybe right. it's something. And what I think is actually really cool. Is it like, like we were talking about the, the angle that I might come to the things that I take pictures of and someone else might take similar pictures or of a similar subject, but they might come to it from something completely different, you know, Yeah. which, um, is kind of awesome, you know? Which, yeah. So, um, and, that, the weird part about the social media is that like like you don't really get to have those I don't know it's a weird place for those kinds of conversations that doesn't really happen people just see these pictures in this kind of like arbitrary algorithm timeline and they just kind right. of get brought to them in some weird order so that used to kind of bother me but now I just think it's like whatever like they just show up when they show up and you can't really <laughs> control like I think if you wanted to do something specific like this is this group of pictures and they need to go together in this order and they're all tight like that would be difficult to do. That's not the right way to share them. It wouldn't be right to do that on social media. I would have, I would struggle right. because I think you'd want to control it more. Like, like, right. you know, if you make an art book, a photo book, you're like each page is in an order and you want to see this one, this one, this one, you know, it's all part right. of this thing. And this is part of this, but, but there it's like, it, for one thing, it's showing up next to another picture that it's not yours. And it's not showing right. up to your picture. I mean, I guess you could, there's a way to do it, but I, I don't know. I think right. it's just like, let it go and just share the pictures. Because <laughs> people tell you weird things like, oh, I love how that one it just reminds me of my childhood in Bristol. Like something you have no idea. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, awesome. Like, yeah, like that's great. I'm so glad that you're, you you like it. So yeah. like, or that, I don't like that one at all. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like whatever it is. So <laughs> it's kind of a funny, um, it's just a funny thing. And so if, I think if you let that go, it's totally awesome. Yeah. Do you feel like since you work and you have worked since the, I think the mid aughts, uh, it, as a professional photographer, do you feel like something has changed also in the industry with the way it's so easy to take a photo? Like everybody takes photos now there's portrait mode. Now, do you feel in, in any sense that like you're competing against the technology that's being developed now? No. Well, you know what? I realized like the, um, the, I'm not, I mean, I take pictures. One of the big things for the personal work is that like, um, you know, you gotta like, it's my job to take pictures, you know? Yeah. So I want to do, but I still really like it. But I, so I kind of have those projects to keep me excited, you know, have fun with it, which I would right. do it anyway. Like obviously no one's paying me to take these pictures. It's not like a, right. it's just like something to keep me going and I'm excited to do it. You know, it's like when I'm not taking pictures for work, I take pictures for fun also. Right. So it like keeps me jazzed on like doing it um so wait what were you saying 
just like it, I just wanted to talk to you because you're a professional photographer. Oh, yeah. Is there some sense that there's some, no. some encroachment with the technology, no. or do you guys, or do you as a professional photography, like you know what, I'm fine. Like I'm totally fine. As far yeah. as far as professional, I'm fine. I mean, I'm doing. I do a lot of the type of stuff I do. I don't. It's not like real sexy type stuff. There's right. and um, I mean, some work is you know glossier than others, but um, and as far as the personal work, I mean, it's not just the part that I'm interested in is not just like taking pictures. Like it's, right. you know, I'm more interested in the kind of, I'm interested in the ideas behind them and putting together groups of pictures that are part of something that has like an idea and how those pictures work together to strengthen that idea. Right. And so it, they work as a, as a body or as a group, hopefully right. to kind of like, uh, you know, like I think of, um, as a body of work, kind of like a, kind of like a sculpture, you know, like as a negative process that you're like chipping away at this block with each image to create a clearer idea of like what the concept is that you're talking about. So like not to get, you know, too much like, but, but, you know, hopefully like, oh, okay, this is kind of like that. And then eventually, you know, when you see someone's work, you like, and I go, oh, like I kind of get it what it's about. Like not every picture is exactly this or every painting or whatever it is, is like exactly the same. But like, as you see all of them as a group, like, are like, oh, okay, like, I can kind of get what this is about. So it's definitely a connection between all these yeah. things, thematic connections. So, like, if everyone has a picture, like, you could do stuff with your, it doesn't matter what you're using, as long as you're right. like, what's your idea? That is just, you know, that's what gets me. Do you still work with film? Yeah. You're using both? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, for personal work, um, I do a little bit here and there, but uh, I just, uh, and I can, do some at home, but I like to shoot so much that it, you know, it's, it's expensive and time yeah. consuming because I don't have a ton of time to do it, but I do another project. So one of the, pro- um, a, a, kind of another thing that I do is I work on this project called the undocumented migration project. Yes. And I want to talk about that. So, sure. um, I started that with like a, one of my oldest friends, my best friend, uh, Jason DeLeon, who's a professor of anthropology yeah. and he, um, uh, over 10 years ago now started this project um, looking at um, migration, yes. undocumented migration and clandestine um, uh, migration in Southern Arizona. And we started going down there and I was like, we should, you know, I'm going to take pictures of this. And so I started documenting it as the photographer for the, for the project. And then it eventually uh, turned into a, a book. The first book um, was the land of open graves, yes. which uh did, it was well received, and uh, he did well. He got a MacArthur grant for it, yes. so people uh, liked it. And then um, since then, he's kind of like gotten into photography a little more and gotten me. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely gotten yeah. into it. And for the next part of the, we're for the second uh, book that we're working on, we decided to switch it all to film. So we're shooting oh. the entire thing. The new project's all on film. Wow. So the project we're working on now, we have been for the last few years, it's all on um, uh, smugglers in uh, Mexico. Uh, wow. And so been documenting um, smugglers and kind of the that part of the uh, migration process. Right. Um, mostly Honduran migrants in um, right. in Mexico. Um, and it's all on film. Did you know... Uh, Jason DeLeon, did you know him before? We went to high school together. Oh, you guys went to high school. So we're like old friends and we were roommates and like we, we went to high school. We were, and we went to like, you know, 
punk show or like we would just hang out and then we became um good friends in college and then he went to um he was at ucla where we were good friends there and then he went out to penn state and um eventually you know he just recently moved back to la but we stayed friends and stayed working on projects and uh i started a couple i did like a small project a friend of mine had a magazine called Textfield, and i uh um, Jonathan Morgan and he said I basically I could just come up with ideas of whatever I wanted to do wow. and so Jason with the time was starting to who he transferred from archaeology into um, anthropology and he was just getting, starting to get into it and one of the first projects I we did together was um, I took pictures along the um, from the Tijuana border kind of up through um, up into Los Angeles and wow. basically, there were just random pictures, well, not random pictures, but pictures of a uh, possible migration path kind of thing. And he wrote right. a little story that kind of went along with it. It was a fictionalized story. But um, oh, cool. that was the first kind of project we did. And then since then, we moved, we worked on projects um, all over. And then this project became much bigger. I know he talks a lot about, um, I watched some lectures and he talks a lot about ethnography. Yeah. So forensic science are kind of the tools you guys use. You guys use all, he says he wants to use any tool available to help understand the situation on a, yeah. on a scientific level. So I was like, we should, um, document this. And then I, I like, I didn't know anything about that world really, but I kind of, then I found this book, um, righteous dope fiend by Philippe Bourgeois who, um, Jason now works with and he's a really he's an amazing guy but he did kind of like a photo ethnography and then I think I showed this to Jason I can't remember I think I showed it to him and we're like we should do something like this yeah. and that turns out to be like a photo ethnography which is what we ended up doing so the project is if we started looking at things people were leaving behind in the desert and wow. doing an what's called contemporary archaeology so looking at those um like through an archaeological lens and um digging and, and tracking, uh, you know, um, documenting each piece and then photographing it and GPSing all that kind of stuff. And then trying to figure out, um, more about this process of this giant migration that's been happening right. for the last, you know, several years. And so that's moved into, um, an exhibit, which we did, which was called, um, uh, hostile terrain, right. which comes from a, a border patrol, um, document, which is one of the things is that one of the ideas is that people, will what's happening is that people have been pushed steadily through this really dangerous part of Arizona. It's the um, Sonoran desert, the Sonoran desert outside and, of, and it's because of this policy, um, uh, prevention through deterrence. Exactly. Which was enacted in 1993. Exactly. And, and so the idea is that the, there's kind of this, um, deniability that the, the, de the desert is doing the work rather than the people. Right. And so it's kind of this weaponized landscape. So a lot of right. these ideas were interesting to me as like landscape and how it's being used and, you know, and, and so that was, and how people traverse it and experiences through it. So that was like immediately like my interest in this kind of thing. People are like use it, moving through this landscape that's been turned into a weapon and how they're crossing it, how the perspectives of are on it. And so that's what I started documenting initially. But a lot of it is of the artifacts, things we, we find out there. And right. So, just to bring the audience up to speed. So in 1993, I just want to clarify 90, how that... 90, uh, 94. 94. Yeah. The, uh, people would, would try and cross the border through urban centers, mm -hmm. like in San Diego or in El Paso, for example. Yeah. They would kind of bum rush the fences. And then there was a lot of like 
bad optics in that bad optics politically yeah. from that. And so then slowly kind of at a local level and then it evolved up into the federal government, they realized like, well, if we beef up border patrol in the cities, mm-hmm. it'll push everybody out into the desert It'll exactly. push everybody out into the Sonoran desert. And that place is like unbelievably dangerous because I mean, it's at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's 104 degrees out. It'll, it, there's just so many different ways you can die. Right. But the idea was that you won't, there's a couple things you won't see them anymore. So mm-hmm. the optics improve for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is like these people are, and this was sort of a conscious decision. People are going to die. Mm-hmm. And we want them to die because then that will deter people from actually. Right. And, then, and it's in there. It the, the more, the more that you, the more people die, it's the more it's working and it'll right. deter people from going, but it hasn't deterred them. And they've, they've continued to die at, um, there's, so we've made a pro, we, we did an exhibit called hostile terrain and it has photographs and artifacts and all these other kind of some documents and things and sound. And one of the elements in it was this, um, this map of the 3,300 roughly people that had that have died in this crossing, and um, that initially it was just dots on a wall. In the first iteration, we did it at uh, Maine College of Art, um, and it was people were interested in it, but they didn't quite know what it is. And then the second iteration of that was um, Jason had his students fill out toe tags of because all those dots were exactly you know the, the, it's taken from the medical examiner's office. In um, in Tucson, so all the data is there, and so they took they wrote down on toe tags all of the names of and the information of those people that whether they were identified or unidentified, right. and so then it hung up, and then people it really hit them like right. exponential. It was very powerful for uh, people. We, we've come to tell you're humanizing something that is often just treated as a statistic, you're, right? You're showing people, and, and yeah. so then so he had his students do, and then the, the third iteration did it um there what we had people locally fill out all of the information i think it was that one was in um lancaster um in pennsylvania i can't remember exactly which one but now there's been several of these um and now that's kind of this hg 90 hostile train 94 and so that's um a standalone ex- exhibit that's traveling all over but so people locally get the information and they fill out all the tags themselves oh, wow. and so it becomes this part of a participatory type thing where local people fill them out put the, wow. and then hang and then they're hung up exactly in the right spot that person died there that's where they're at on that, the map geolocated and then it's on this map and it's up and it's kind of a pop-up type thing so we were supposed to have uh 200 of them that were supposed to be happening starting back a few months ago going up leading up to the um the election and they the final one was supposed to be at the Smithsonian. I see. And, uh, but, and there was a lot of travel this summer that all of it's kind of stopped. A lot of the exhibitions, there was an exhibit, um, that happened just the other day, an online version that was through, um, in Santa Fe. Yes. But, um, center for advanced research. Exactly. The SAR. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, site was another group there, but, um, so people are doing online versions of it and some of them are just being postponed, but, you know, people are still involved and it's still happening. And there's, there's an online version and HT 94, if anyone's interested in that, um, get to search that hostile terrain or yeah, HT 94 is the, the hostile terrain, I think is the Instagram undocumented migration project is the website. So there's volunteers that are needed and people. So if anyone's interested in that kind of thing, um, so that's that kind of the, that's the current exhibit part that's happening with that project. But, um, 
yeah, so I just documented, but, and so in some iterations, there's been photography that goes with it, but then there's a lot of like articles that they need photography for we've worked on. And then there'll be a new, new books that are coming out with a lot more, um, uh, imagery. So right. do you, does he use your work also in a scientific way or kind of in a forensic way himself or, um, some things are, you know, like, um, we've taken pictures where, um, you know, we just take a lot of pictures and then sometimes you go out there, but they're not exactly forensic. I mean, there are more like they did some forensic work, um, but there's more students and researchers that are doing the more like forensic. Right. He always gave me shit because I would like not want to include the, the scale in my foot. Like, cause he right. I was, that wasn't really my strength, you know, is that, right. and, uh, cause I, and also he runs a field school out in Arizona for that part of it where there's uh, students out there that are there like every day and you know, for like a month and I could only come out for like a week or something. Right. So, um, but the pictures end, get, end up using, get, end up used for a lot of things. You guys are, so you just said now one of the most recent, you're going to be shooting film. You're going to be working with smugglers. Yeah. How do you guys stay safe doing um, this? What's the, well, yeah, we've done it for a few years and, um, it's been okay. You know, like uh, yeah. there's definitely some like characters and you guys are going into the Mexican side and then back into the, yeah, United most of States it's side. in, it's all in like Chiapas and then Mexico city. And then, um, and then, you know, just, you know, you meet people and you kind of just hang out with them. And from what I can now gather, like that's what a uh, ethnography is. You just kind of like hang out yeah, and, um, <laughs> just do a lot of hanging out and, you know, drinking beer and, and, uh, you know, people just, hang out and so you're kind of forming relationships yeah with people it's not about like it's not an art like it's, like it's not a i'm not a um a journalist i guess in this way for that right. project i mean that's how i guess i don't exactly know the differences the, the fine differences between these things but we're not working towards a story we don't have a deadline right you know it's not like this is a long-term project of we don't have to get the shot you know like i might not take the camera out for the first few days right so it's just hanging out and when something presents itself and a huge part of this project that now is um you know the ethics of ethics of photo ethnography is a huge part of this and so how images are um taken how they're being used whose voice is being um, right. told you know like so they're always being shown you know uh when they're exhibited through the book you know like they're always being shown with other imagery that is um and recordings of the voices of people that were either involved in it or their own photographs there's a lot of we take um the guys that are the people um we've given them cameras so that was like an early way where you give them like disposable cameras yeah and I they'll, saw that. they'll yeah. you know give us back the film or not people like just take cell phone pictures and cell phone videos and just, so just to clarify you're giving you you know a couple of guys for example are going to go off into the desert and you mm -hmm. guys say hey take some you give them cameras yeah and then they document themselves yeah as they're going through yeah, exactly so they're telling the story you know so like i'm just kind of supplementing that in a, in a way yeah. you know because it's 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 their story, you it's know, their story. so yeah. that's something that we're like very uh, sensitive to. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you about too is, and it sounds like we, you know, you're building relationships with these people, but how did, how have they felt like, how did the people feel uh, being photographed in, in these situations? Um, well, there's different, like, and I'm sure there's, there's all sorts of different situations yeah. or anything from, be, from just like hanging out in town, waiting for a train to like being more of like a, um, uh, you know, an informant, I guess is what they call it. Like someone that's like, you know, telling their story, like a major, more of a, um, and so how someone that's major, maybe a more of a major um, part of the story 
maybe there's less photography of them or none right. because you don't, you don't want to like, you know, show them and, you know, you don't want to, um, hurt anything, you know, be right. in any way. And then someone else might be like, yeah, like, or often people like really want their photo taken. Right. So, um, a lot of times we do is like I said, it's all on film, but we use a lot of Polaroids because everyone wants pictures right away to, you know, show their family or, show, you know, take with them. And so, or it's cause they want you to like text it to them so they can have it for Facebook or whatever, you know, wow. like, Oh, we don't have it. So, but we take Polaroids. So, so the people are actually asking you, they want a photo that we're talking about the people going across the border. They yeah. want a photo for their Facebook. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot wow. of this, a lot of this work is not, these are people that, um, are not at the border. Okay. This is like in, you know, I Chiapas, this I is about, you know, mile hundreds of miles, you know? Right. And so, and these are people that are just on the journey, you know, like they're going there, but it's not like they're like, they're not there yet. Yeah. And so we're talking to them about what they're doing, how they're planning, you know, um, what's their think thought process, you know, like what are they, what do they have packed with them? You know, just kind of basic stuff. So we would give we shoot two Polaroids and always give them a copy and uh, keep a copy so that people can have a record of all this. And it's really funny. You'll meet people much later and they'll show you their Polaroid that they, they've had, uh, the people exchanged and stuff. Oh, people, wow. uh, people have liked that. Um, but people, you know, people a lot of times are really, um, there's different, that's why a lot of the project now is on smugglers, but they know what's in store for this whole trip, you know, and right. a lot of people that are coming from some small town somewhere don't really often have an idea of right. what's ahead of them. Right. It's hard to like, um, comprehend like how far something is or how hot something is or, you know, how, right. um, you know, it's just like these kinds of like concepts. It's hard for anyone to imagine that hasn't done it. You know, it's hard to like know what, you know, Nogales heat feels like in the summer, you know, when you're not from that, you've never been there right. and you don't know that like what, you know, eight days of walking feels like and how hard it is to carry that water and you know, that you can't possibly, it's like, there's no way to prepare for this mentally or physically. You can't possibly carry enough water. It's incredibly dangerous. Like there's no, so people, when you talk to them and it just, I think that there are some people are like, Oh, I've done it. But, um, there's just there are records of people that have made multiple attempts or have gone over got thrown out coming back oh yeah 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 wow um, you meet people like you meet people who have completely different stories like one person will be like i'm coming from this small town i'm like you know a 17 year old kid looking forward to this doing this thing you meet someone else who's like yeah i've been living in the united States. i lived in detroit for 30 years and i wasn't documented then i got a pulled over for a broken taillight and I got deported and I'm just trying to get back to my like whole family. I Which don't really still in Detroit. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really know anyone here. And so like, it's just, it's could wow. be anything, you know, could be anything. Yeah. There's so many stories from, you know, so it runs many. the, it runs the game. What, what do you think, um, is most sort of misunderstood about what's actually happening, um, down there? Um, um no, you know, like it's weird. Like I've been working on this project for a long time, but um, I think that, um, and I still don't have very like. It's such a complicated thing, you know. And and we're not like policymakers. Like right. I don't make like decisions on this stuff. I mean, I I have like ideas, but it's this completely um, complicated project where each different side is connected to another. So, you know, it's yeah, and so. I don't know. I think my our hope, my hope anyway, is that more people 
learn about it and they're more educated and they would then make more informed decisions, whether it's through voting, number right. one, also just like people they meet and having an open mind and uh, having an open mind in different people's um, experiences that they might not know or understand. So maybe, you know, if you meet someone that's uh, coming from someplace else, you know, you just you keep an open mind when you meet them. Don't just judge. Yeah, less judgment, yeah. you know, open mind. You know, you don't you know these people. You don't know where people people's history, any person's history. So, you know, I think it's generally to have, yeah, educate yourself and have an open mind. You have witnessed, I think, firsthand, you guys have witnessed really like kind of unbelievable human suffering and tragedy uh, there. How do you go on a trip out there, see these things, seeing corpses in the desert, things like that? How do you come back after that and, and kind of go back to your family or, you know, do you have trouble with that or are you able to kind of, um, it's with, uh, um, I'm never, uh, used to it. I'm never over it. Um, as far as the, the working, you working in the desert, you don't like, you do get away from it. You do get, yeah, I don't know how to even, I mean, I'm not like a, I don't think I'm not like one of those adventure, like like war zone type photographers. I'm right. just going out and doing this, meeting these people. I'm not a thrill person, and the, st- right. the stuff with the with the smugglers can be a little um, sketchy. That's been that, yeah. that definitely was like worrisome. Um, how do you like gave again, me a little how bit? How do you of, guys uh, stay safe with that? It's just getting to know them and, and yeah. building a sort of certain level of trust with them. Yeah, basically, <laughs> but. Um, um, yeah, and, just, and they're known as coyotes, right? Is that, uh, yeah. Or is that a yeah, thing? yeah, and that that role is a pretty, is a pretty. It's a lot of, um, it's all organized by various um, organized crime, and it's it's a, it's definitely like a, a tough world, you know. And it's 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 not like forgiving for mistakes that people make. So, right. um, um, yeah, that part of it is uh, is nerve wracking, and we spent you know a couple years in the field doing that. Um, a few years, but, um, yeah, as far as like going back and forth, I don't know. It's hard to, it's a weird, all of the work. So like when I work for my professional work, I take pictures of like million dollar, you know, multi-million dollar homes, you know, and I go to these yeah. places and like, I can't relate to these people, you know I mean? I mean, I relate to the, how it works and I, I mean, I like them and they're all really nice people and same with when I'm in the desert, you meet a lot of people, but it's another kind of world for me. It's yeah. not my daily world. It's that, I, I mean, I'm there and I'm immersed when I'm there and I'm completely like there focused, but it's not like, so there's like this kind of weird disconnect that like, I'm not always relating to the people on a personal level, right. even though I try to. Sure. And that's why, you know, I'm just there to like document it, listen to the stories and kind of like be there. So right. that part of it is always a little bit weird, but I mean, you never like, if you're a, f- a person that like, if you're some sort of a person that record a journalist in some way, you're hanging out with, I don't know, Axl Rose, like no one's going to identify with Axl. You're like, you know, like, right. So it's just, that's kind of the job, I guess. It's just part of the work. I guess you could kind of get used to it. You're working it like every end of the socioeconomic spectrum from, yeah, like celebrity homes mm-hmm. 
um, some of the most beautiful homes in the country, mm-hmm. and then kind of this crumbling suburbia and industrial <laughs> zones, and then also literally migrant stations. And, and I was just curious, like, does your work in sort of one of these spaces inform the work in another space? Are you using different techniques in the different spaces? Um, uh, no, well, I think I, I try to sometimes, n- no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, don't know really. I, I mean, not in any conscious level, conscious right. way that I can think of. I mean, I do like, no, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with the camera now. So I like, know like my exposures and stuff. Right. So like, and that's what, like, if you're in some like safe house, that's like really dark. I'm like, man, like I'm going to need to a tripod i'm gonna need to put this camera on something because i just it's hard with the film you know you do i don't always work with a meter but i'm i can sometimes i mean i can i can guess where i'm at right and um so i'm like this is going to be difficult to take a picture of this space so like i'll be like i need to like you know and that and i'm shooting in a house same thing like i'll have a tripod and i'll have all the time in the world you know i can go you know have a pastry or something but uh (laughs) so but sometimes you're like how to like just sometimes focusing on the technical like just kind of helps you zone out about other things you know so um so that part of it i guess um working being familiar and just working with the, the gear like you kind of forget about it i guess in some way right but um you feel like you have like a technique and that can ground you kind of yeah wherever you are i suppose so yeah um i mean not that i'm like i'm not master or anything i just like been doing it long enough that you kind of know how to do certain things was there a moment where you thought to yourself like i have my own style no i i still i still like like i said like i guess i'm professional like i I still kind of feel like that like like i'm just still kind of like doing it like i don't i mean people would tell me like they go oh like i can see like like you would you said that you see like something running through like but i don't always see that like right um, I mean, I could take, I remember when I wanted to, like, I tried it when I was in school, you draw a lot and you'd see some people that could like draw one, like in different styles. Yeah. And I could like only draw one way, which is like my right. crappy way, you know, like, <laughs> but like, as right. you get better, like if I was good enough, like as a photographer, like now, like if I wanted to take like some really glossy, like fashiony type of photo, like I know technically how to do that. Like it's not necessarily right. a way that I would choose to do it. So I just like do it naturally, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. But so like once you kind of know how to do all these technical things, like you could, if you wanted to like make something look a certain way. And I guess there are certain things that I want them to look like. Yeah. Specifically like, okay, I want to choose these types of lenses. I want this like to be in focus. I want things to be straight. Like there's choices I make for sure, but I don't really think of it like this is my style. And so I need to be on brand or anything like that. It's just, they're just pictures that I tend to like. You know, because when you take pictures, you you make all these choices. So you're like, you're choosing the you're choosing the lens, you're choosing the camera, you're the film type, whatever. You're gonna choose um, the subject matter, uh, the time of day. You know, anything that you can choose. Then you take it back to your computer or your lab and process of the film. Then you make all these choices whether or not you're gonna crop it or not. You know, right. which picture of those pictures you took. If you it was a picture of a building, did you take five of them? Well, I like this one, and then, you know, so it's just all these choices. And then you eventually show that like tiny percentage of you know, of all these choices that have been made. Right. So eventually that's just your like, um, you know, that's the outcome is this yeah. series of choices. Right. 
And so like what you talked about earlier, kind of that sculpture idea, you're kind of whittling away everything that's not the photo. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think so, you know. And it's probably more about the idea behind what you're trying to capture, maybe in the moment, than some kind of overarching, definitive Michael Wells style or something. Yeah, or like one. A lady asked me at the airport once. I always trip out on this. She was like, we were at the airport bar, and she said, oh, so what's your, like, best photo you've ever taken or something? (laughs) And it made me think of, like, there's, like, these epic photos that people have, you know? But, like, I don't think I'm that kind of, like, a... Right. photographer where there's like that photo of the like bridge and then the th- or like or whatever it is like yeah. i can't i i tend to more want them to be like 20 you know and that like tells right. that one idea rather than i mean like I don't a know. series but it made me think i never even thought about that like what's your and i was like i don't know like i don't know if there is a good and you spent the next 48 hours mulling over i was on the, the on the plane to new york <laughs> or something probably thinking about like do i have one or maybe they're all crap i don't know like so right now you've got a project going on. You guys are now taking photos of the, you have the smuggler thing and you're working on a book with that. That's yeah. coming out. Um, are you, do you have any other projects coming up right now? Like you're looking at, I'm working on a couple of things that like just personal projects that I haven't shared too much with, but hopefully I'll get to do something with them. Um, I would like to, I have one that's a little bit more of like documenting something specific in the city and another one that's a little more abstract. But um, yeah, I'd like to try and like put them out or just, you know, I never really do anything with these pictures. It's just the um, regressionary ones. They're just like pictures I take. And so it'd be fun to like put them in a little book or do a little show. I mean, no one's doing any of that stuff right now. Everyone's kind of locked up, but I don't know. Even if it's just for me, I'll do a little something. If I don't know if people want to see it, but yes, if they did, that'd be cool. If you were going to give advice to a young photographer starting out today, uh, what would you tell them? What would Mm. you tell them? Um, think just to like like first of all just take well now i mean you don't have to pay for film so just take like as many pictures as you can and should figure out like what you're interested in and what you're not interested in it's not as easier to like know what you're not interested right. in and just keep taking a whole figuring it out like what kind of um what works and then just like keep doing it you know like like make mistakes and be like i don't know you just kind of like yeah you kind of have to like always fumble through like the same mistakes everyone like you can't like skip it right there's no skipping steps yeah well i mean even if you think like oh i'm skipping ahead you're still gonna like discover these things along the way everyone's gonna like oh i really like this and then you go through these like weird phases or something so yeah yeah just keep like doing it well michael thank you so much for making the trek up here today to talk to me it's been wonderful thanks for having me and um i really you know, I, I actually would like to, I hope you can come back again someday, like okay. maybe when you're done with the smuggler book. And sure, I, I'd sure. really like, I could tell you right now, there are a lot of people out there that are going to be very interested in that. Oh. Um, you're doing really important work um, and really interesting work. And uh, just thank you for coming out. Um, is there anywhere uh, just where people, just let us know where people can, can find um, Regressionary Movements is on Instagram. Yeah, That's probably the best way to find it. Yeah. And then your website is mwellsphoto.com. Yeah. And, and you have all your, you have this, that, and the other on there and all these sections. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, different see sections. a wide range. And then the Undocumented Migration Project. Yeah, undoc- where, can, where are all the things? Undocumented Migration Project. It's really important. And um, HG94, Hostage Terrain 94 is the one that's happening now. And there's definitely a need for people to... Um, uh, donate is one, but also just um, donate their time. You know, we're doing an online exhibition, so I don't know when this is coming out, but we're working towards having people um, read individual names and um, putting together a version of that. And there's always a need for someone to, you know, 
a, a part of that. So check that out for sure. Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Yeah. Everybody, you've been listening to Interview Time. Mm-hmm.